another episode of Real Talk with Bella. And this is actually part two of a really, really spicy conversation that we started out in our previous episode. We're here with uh, two amazing experts in the intimacy and sex field. Yes, we said it. We're going to talk about sex uh, because in part two, we left it off as there's so much sex to be had, right? So let's take <laughs> it away. Uh, Jennifer, Bella's publisher, is going to briefly introduce both of our guests um, so that you have a reference of who we're talking to because um, the conversation just started to get good and we're going to continue it today. So welcome, ladies. Yes, welcome. Uh, first of all, thank you for coming back. I think this is the first time we ever have done a part two. Yes. Um, so we're very excited. Clearly, we like this topic. Um, so uh, everyone, welcome Michelle Kanan um, and also Mary Jo Rapini. They are relationship experts, sex therapists, and they know all things intimacy, love, relationships, and sex, which are all the things that we're going to be talking about today. I'm very excited. So briefly, um, we were right before we hopped on here just talking about uh, Mary Jo was saying that, that this should be like a like a weekly wine a talk. Standing which podcast. <laughs> I am so on board with. And I was um just sharing with her that I have a weekly um like virtual date with my best friends from high schools. And one of the topics that came up last night was actually, we were all talking about sex and how often and how frequent and how good or bad it was and like what situations um, actually make for, you know, real intimacy or whatnot, especially during this time. And I felt kind of boastful because I was like, well, I just talked to Mary Jo and Michelle and they shared that, <laughs> you know, this is what we need to be doing and that intimacy actually, you know, and so it was very, very helpful for me to be able to have just the tools, right, the resources and kind of um, address that. Um, first of all, frequency, let's get there. Because I think that for a lot of women, um, especially mothers, uh, they gauge their sex lives by the amount of sex that they're having, how frequent it's happening. Um, and they actually, uh, I know I've, I have friends who literally say to me, well, we schedule it in, otherwise it just doesn't get done. Um, can, <laughs> how do we even begin <laughs> to uh, decom? Because I, you know, I shared, I was like, so over it, I'm good with once a month. Like I was like, I'm good, I'm good. I'm, I'm really not that, you know, excited about all this sex anymore. <laughs> well, so I mean, I'm, I'm happy to jump in here. Yes. yes. <laughs> one word that I hate is should, right? The minute you should do something, you have to do something, you're supposed to do something. Like, I'm just like, no. Like, yeah. you know, that kind of pressure, that kind of expectation, it just is such a turnoff for me, you know? And I know that there's lots of different tools and lots of different things that can work for different people. Mm -hmm. For me, I'm not a routine person. I'm not a schedule-based person. So even that sometimes, if I know that something's coming, it can even start to build well, up. And, and, and doesn't it like take like the actual magic away from the actual encounter is like, if you're scheduling it in, like it feels, like a, it, it right. feels like a chore. It feels like a chore more than, you know, for some, look, for some people it works. And again, like I would never tell anybody what the way is, what the one way, the way that it should be. Right. It's, yeah. it, it, I would be taking away your, um, your wisdom and your intuition. And I, I would never want to do that to anybody else. <sighs> At the same time. Right. We know that like sex 
is such a great way to connect with a partner. Um, and it's such a awesome release. It's so good for your body. It, it gives you so many good things. Mm -hmm. But I know for me, and I know for a lot of um, the women that I work with, we're busy. We have so many things to do, right? Like we don't want to just add sex like as a to-do list item, <laughs> you know? And, and so yeah. what can we do? Like even for me, you know, I don't want to feel like those expectations are being placed on me. But what happens when we can like take off that pressure? What happens when we can take off that sense of expectation? You know, I used to think with, with my own partner that like it was expected or if he started touching me that it was going to have to lead to something. And so I, that was something that I communicated to him that, you know what, that doesn't work for me. And what I realized through talking to him and what I realized with a lot of the women that I work with is that sex for men is sex, but it's also that way to feel close and feel intimate. Right. And we talked yeah. about that one in, in part one of, of our conversation before yeah. that intimacy isn't sex. It's just that opportunity to connect and sex gives you that kind of intimacy when, when you're doing it in a way that feels good for both partners. So I would be, you know, talking to, or to anyone that's listening that is having some struggles or pressure around that. It's how do you create those intimate moments? And then whatever happens, happens like yeah. you, you guys had a little shocking reaction when I told you that I have an intimacy ritual that I do with my husband every day unless we fall asleep before because <laughs> I, I watched myself this week and I definitely we fell asleep once before we got into it so yeah. but it's not a sex ritual right it's an intimacy ritual it's that opportunity for us to come together every day and sort of end the part of the day that's just like getting all this stuff done and create a new space for a different kind of connection. And what I find is a lot of times it leads to stuff, but there's not that pressure. There's not that expectation. There's not that should. And because the feeling itself is so great there, you know, my husband's satisfied, but in a different kind of way, right? I'm satisfied. Whatever happens, happens. And when I teach intimacy ritual building to my clients and tell their women they're so surprised because they always have this idea of what sex should be or how you know how off like all those shoulds again but you can be really creative and and have it be a totally different kind of experience so I would almost swap out like sex and intimacy and really have a think with yourself about what you need in connection and also talk to your partner about what he might need as well awesome Mary Jo Interesting. Yeah, well, you know, I'm going to take a little bit more of a clinical approach. I love what uh, what Michelle said, but according to the American Psychiatric Association, it is it is called an asexual relationship if you don't have sex um, for it for one year time, no sex. And if our clients go over six months, it's considered an issue um, unless they're happy and they're satisfying their intimacy in other ways. There's there's five, five ways besides sex to share intimacy. And this is more what Michelle was talking about, like that spiritual connection, the emotional connection, the experimental connection, all those. And so if my clients, I come, I'm coming into this backwards because I wanted to open it up to listeners and viewers in that many women are living with cancer now. And when women have cancer, you know, there's an idea that we all, you know, we all get that sexual urge and then we have sex. But for a woman over 38, that isn't, that isn't the, tra the trajectory anymore. What happens is you have, once you start having sex, then you start feeling sexy. 
So what we do with our cancer patients, because we know their immune system will go higher, like it increases double fold when they have sex. So many of them are worried about having sex or they grew up in families where their faith predicts, you know, preached, you know, don't have sex, it's nasty. A lot of people have different views about that. So my job as a therapist is to go in and encourage them to have sex. And, in, and I do help them schedule sex because for number one, it's scary after you had a breast removed or maybe you have a colostomy bag or you have some form of cancer. It's scary because your body has changed and it now has scars you didn't have before. And so getting people to schedule it, they can anticipate it. They can get flowers for the table. They can make the room the way they want it. They can light it. They can put candles there. And then it gets more into what Michelle was saying is we talk about what is sex to you? Well, sex for some people is lying naked and just touching. That's, that's truly making love and eating chocolate covered strawberries in bed and drinking champagne and you know, just having, um, you know, like having your partner touch you with their tongue all over your body is a form of sex. The actual sex um, league or the sex council of medicine says that a healthy sex life, the number of times you should have sex per week is once a week. And that's enough to I'm get- good. I'm good, I'm good, I'm <laughs> good. <laughs> really have that physical connection you need. And so what we recommend for all patients, because I'm working a lot with the urology departments, internal medicine, is we try to get those couples to have intercourse and to orgasm once a week. There's a lot of, um, a lot of contention about, well, you don't have to orgasm to enjoy sex, but, but much of that is because women have, women have been told that and so they've never gone deeper saying, why can't I orgasm? I want to orgasm. And actually holding their doctor accountable to help them find the specialist that can teach them how to org orgasm. There's shots you can get, there's, there's medications you can take. And I personally think that when women have an orgasm, they feel better. And once again, if you don't have an orgasm and you still enjoy sex, are you doing it for your reasons, for your health benefits, or are you doing it to please your partner and, and because you're afraid of losing them if you don't? So all of these are really important things that women should, should really consider and, and get in touch with their own selves, which is all part of that self-awareness. Why am I having sex? Yeah, you touched on something really interesting. Um, and I say interesting just because I know, obviously, I can only speak from my own experience. And it was like pre-children, I had this intense drive and, um, you know, and healthy drive, not like a nymphomatic whatever, but healthy sexual drive. And that other part is okay too, if that's your jam. Um, my thing is, once children came into the picture, it wasn't, it's aside from the fact that I'm, I'm exhausted, I'm tired, there's other things to do, they may come into the room, they're like all of that. It's also a matter of self-esteem and how I see myself. Uh, yeah. My body went through, as 
people who have had children know. Uh, it just completely morphed into something that I never thought I would be looking at in the mirror. Um, and however, what I have, I mean, and it took me a minute to really uh, appreciate the fact that number one, my husband is truly in love with me because he didn't care. Um, but I think it's in our own head that they do. And therefore we avoid having sex because of how we look, how we feel. Um, so what can you say, uh, again, you know, not everyone is as fortunate to have uh, a partner that is just willing, you know, we would compare notes. He's like, you know, I just yeah. look like I, he would say like, I just look like I had a baby too. So it's all good. And I'm like, okay, so we're on the same page. But my point is, you know, it's, it's really hard and difficult to get yourself in a sexual state of mind if you feel, you know, like crap about yourself. So what can we say to women who are feeling it, um, you know, not just mothers, but just in general, women who are, you know, not happy with their appearance, not happy with what they look, and that's a hindrance for them to then have a healthy um, sexual encounter. Yeah, Mary, Mary Jo, I, I resonated actually with with what you said. Um, thank God I'm, I'm not um, in remission from cancer, but I am the mother of a 17-month-old baby, yeah. <laughs> and, and I had a C-section, and my body is totally different. I have scars. You know, I'm relating to myself in a whole different way, going through my own life-changing yes. experience, too. So a lot of what you said there, I was like, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I can really identify with that in a whole different yeah. kind of way. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm really glad that, that you presence that and you asked that question, because it's so important, I think, for all of us women to hear how when one of us is going through something, maybe the details of the story is different, but how we all have this universal human female experience, you yeah. know, whether different stages of our lives or different things that we're going through. Um, and, and what is sexy to us, it can change over time. How we feel about ourselves can change over time. I, I actually feel like for once, I'm like, I don't know if I have the answer to this question. Like, I am really curious, Mary, to what you're about to say. Um, I just know that from my experience, something that is always like a touchstone for me that makes me feel so great is it doesn't matter what I look like. My husband still wants it. <laughs> <laughs> well, my husband still wants to jump my bones no matter what. Like, which, thank God for that. But right, again, like, yeah, oh, yeah. Thank God for that miracle, you yeah. know, and what I've really learned in my own journey. And then I'll go question, like, I'm like, what is, like, what? <laughs> what is like <laughs> see that too, is just yeah. like, you know, it's so easy to swat his hand away or be like, I'm not in the mood and yeah. I can't or whatever. And at the same time, just to feel like that kind of gratitude yeah. and that like, yeah, he still wants that. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like he likes that, you know? <laughs> and, and I just want to remind women that even if you can't or don't get to that place, whatever's going on, just to always also see that side of the coin there too, when it comes up for you in your relationship and what a gift that can be as well. That's right. I think, I think once we understand what men feel, that men basically are so excited that the person they see in front of them is willing to have sex with them or loves <laughs> them. It, it's so it's so just, what you're saying is that all they see is the willingness. It doesn't matter who, what, where. But we worry so much about it. I, you know, I'm going back to a study that was done. It was a, it was sort of a flippant study, but it was a well done, a well designed study. 
Glamour magazine asked women between the ages of um, 13 and 24, and then 24 to 45, um, what their biggest detour to having sex was. And they said, my ugly body. Mm -hmm. And 80% of them answered that question yeah. the most. Yeah. I mean, and then they gave the same study to, um, well, they gave a version of that study to cancer patients at MD Anderson. Guess the result. It's completely different. different Women yeah. that had gone through cancer felt more in awe of their body. In other words, they owned it. They owned their scars. And so what I try to do, teach women is you need to own every one of your flaws because that's where the power is. If you can begin saying, well, yeah, I have a big nose. I have a big nose. And you know what? It doesn't influence my sexuality. It's more my own head, what it does to me. Now, you know, if a woman said, yeah, I have your nose, I got it fixed because it's too big, I'd be okay with that, whatever makes you feel good. But if you own it and you remind yourself where it came from, the like for me, family is everything. And I know the aunt that had this nose and she was a powerful, strong woman, very loving. I honor that. And it's the same way with your sex. We've given our sexuality to men and we've said, you please it. But we forgot the, this belongs to us, just yeah. like our eyes do, our hair does. And unless you own your sexuality and you learn first how to please yourself, you're always going to be on the hunt for some guy who naturally knows how to please you. And if he has that quality, believe me, he's gonna, he's not gonna have the qualities that really matter. Like <laughs> value system, holding yeah. you in high self-esteem. Yeah. Yeah. And so you, you basically, until women own their sexuality as an important part of who they are, they'll never honor it. And they'll never try to get inside and say, today, I'm going to pleasure myself. I'm going to try a new vibrator. You know, I don't know why, you know, I know my cervix is sensitive, but there's got to be a way that I can actually learn to orgasm with, with my own hand. And that's so important for women. I think when women have- but it's such a taboo. I think that uh, for many years, and I would just, because you're, what you're saying is incredibly important. Um, and I'm in awe because literally you must have been like a, a fly on the wall last night on our conversation <laughs> because no, I, and, and the, the re it's because one of the things that I said to my friends, you know, I was, I was tagged as um and i'm a survivor of sexual assault so as as a result of that and and you can look it up and see studies um you do tend to become promiscuous especially at an early age because you already know what your genitalia can do therefore you seek it at um at, I, I was seeking it at an age that I was, I was too immature to handle the emotional repercussions of that but physically I was having a party, I was enjoying myself, and the conversation led to that where, you know, I think that there's women who feel shame in the fact that they actually enjoy having sex. Like I was like, and I said to them, I said, I had no shame whatsoever uh, admitting that I liked to have 
sex. Like, and I don't think, I don't think that, that there's anything wrong with that. But just as you're saying, you know, we've been taught that um, wanting too much sex is wrong or having too much sex is wrong. Um, I think being promiscuous in the sense that you're having sex with multiple people is wrong. I don't think that having sex mm -hmm. is wrong, period. Yeah. Um, but owning the fact that we also are allowed to have a pleasurable ex experience because it does take two. And the fact that we are handing that over to the other person as if like here do with it what you will and as long as you orgasm we're good then you know like I, I I too refuse to accept that and I know that um for myself personally god I hope my husband doesn't listen to this because he'll be mortified but but I mean we've had a just an amazing communication about all of it so I feel very fortunate to be in a position where I can tell my husband, you know, guess what, what happened last night didn't work out so well for me. Let's try, you know, mm -hmm. something else next yeah. time, next week, because once a week, you know. <laughs> but isn't it true though, it's such a double standard, like from the time that you're young, it's like, yeah. you know, men who have sex with multiple women it's like oh he's the man and he's so cool and then if you're a girl and you're sleeping around it's like oh my god she's a slut and then you're yeah. slut. like from the time we're in grade school that starts you know what i mean now yeah. it starts even younger yeah. um but i feel like that kind of becomes a double standard so then women view it as well i shouldn't be having sex and this is wrong or this makes me you know easy or people are gonna have a bad view of me and that's i think that's kind of where it comes from i think i think what you're bringing up if we take like a step back is this way that we've learn to believe stories or lessons or messages from society and i think that what that leads to in relationships is this kind of a lack of coming together and having communication about what's working for both but be also leaving us really like caught up with or just only concerned with in a way our experience and our pain or our frustration and what we're going through and I think, I'm sorry, I think because of that, we, it's sometimes hard for us to understand also that our partners are going through stuff too. Like yeah. they're as insecure or they're as frustrated or they don't know how to communicate about this stuff, you know, or, or they're not getting what they want or they need either. Um, and, and I love what you said about being able to really communicate with your partner, you know, because I think a lot of times for us, especially because it can feel taboo to talk about it, or we want to be nice, or we want to be easy to please, or we don't want to make our guy feel bad if something didn't feel as good as we thought that he made us feel, we can be afraid to talk about the things that are important to us, or that could change that kind of experience. And it can lead to a lot of disconnection and kind of suffering alone and this creation of, or this belief that like, you know, it's never gonna change or it can never be what I want it to be. And a lot of misinterpretation and lack of understanding. You know, the fact that like sex is taboo and it's scary to talk about and, and we're just so freaking vulnerable too, right? I, I'm amazed at how um, just like shame is still in this day and age. Like it's, we're in 2020 and there's still, so much shame you brought up you know um uh, masturbation um like hello nobody you don't have to wear a tag that you, if you do it or not but it's something that i know that i was taught through my own therapist to be to begin to have a healthy relationship with sexual relationship 
with myself so that I could understand my own body. And mm -hmm. I don't see anything wrong with that. And I think that there is so much, um, you know, just yesterday an article came out that, you know, that, that it's, that it's still seen as a sin, as something that you, there's something wrong with you because you're seeking it or pursuing it, but not just with masturbation itself, but with actually wanting to have sex or the lack thereof as we interpret it as something being wrong. And I would say that there is in the sense that we haven't just um, explored you know, those areas of our, of our physicality, of our emotions, um, so that we can really begin to actually enjoy uh, what is meant to be an act that is supposed to be enjoyed. And it's supposed to be, like you said, I mean, I'm going to buckle down and have it two times a week so that I can boost my immune system now. <laughs> I'm going to go for your I'm going to tell my husband, I'm like, you, 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 you don't want to catch Corona. Guess what? We got to have more sex. <laughs> well, you know, that would be, I like what Jennifer was talking about, mm -hmm. about how women are labeled. And Jennifer, I, I kind of want to go back to that because I think this is where I wrote a book about this with a um, Gynionc, um nurse practitioner. And okay. I think where this came from is because girls, when they're younger, they like the status of having a guy. And so when girls, when they first start having sex and they do it quite easily, it's more of a, when they, when they asked these women, these girls, when they surveyed them, what they found out with girls had sex so they could be more popular with their boyfriend. They were more afraid of abandonment. And so now, unfortunately, that label continues until women are in college and after. And that's really scary because basically during that time period, it may have been for approval. It, it certainly wasn't because the girl, the, the teenager had self-awareness and said, you know what, I like this and I'm gonna experiment with it experimental um, behaviors with sex was like the last thing on the list for girls. For boys, it was much higher. So I think that's something that starts younger. And the disadvantage is as women get older and they do that a lot besides, you know, what society says, but truly, you know, what we're seeing on the marriage boards, because I'm, I'm very invested with marriage therapy and sex and all of that is that the more partners you have, the more, the less likely you'll be happy in a stable, like in a continuous long-term relationship with one person. And that was true of men and women, but higher in women. So really? the more, because women's idea of sexuality is so broad, you guys. Like they've done studies and they found out when you, you know, we don't automatically go to the genitals. Like, yeah, <laughs> so unexplored. We, yeah. nobody's ever really done tests on women. We know when a guy is aroused because he gets an erection, right? Yeah. But women all kind, we're aroused by all kinds of things. Women, they did, they hooked women up to electrodes and found out when they're, when a guy is drinking water, out of a bubbler, women started lubricating with the side of his jaw. 
Like we were just looking at his jaw. Whatever. Listen, listen, when I when I see my husband, like he's sweaty and he's outside, yes. I'm looking, I'm looking at that and I'm like, I want some of that. Like yes. I, you know, and they're all yes. I'm doing, yeah. So I get it. I think, get it. I think that we should start there. I think that would be a fantastic wine party. They did photos, <laughs> they would show photos of bunnies in a field and with flowers and women started lubricating. Oh it God. was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> I, you know, they start writing- It's a whole new genre of porn. Oh my God, yeah, that's exactly. Right. Like, this is like, you know, I'm just gonna the, show you pictures of a guy the men, the men listening to this podcast are going to be so confused <laughs> as to what to do from now on. It's gonna be a lot of, of new bunny gifts. Oh, oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. So many things. And I, I just think that women limit themselves. Yeah. We tell ourselves we want the penis. Yeah, we want the penis, but we want more than the penis. We want 100 percent It's it's like um a per I mean, for and this is again me personally, it's like women who enjoy um strippers for example for yeah. like i am mortified do not have any interest in seeing it like right. i do i do not want your abs in my face like oh, i don't you didn't like magic mike no. magic mike no, no, no. like i don't buy <laughs> jen on the other hand is like Oh yes, I did. <laughs> I see Channing Tatum in my mind. Listen, <laughs> what I am, but it's really interesting how what you're saying is so true. Obviously, you know we are aroused by so many different elements, and it's yeah. not necessarily the penis itself or the the abs or the arms. And listen. My husband, God, he's gonna kill me. Uh, when, he, when he hears <laughs> <Mine> is too. <laughs> my husband is not, you know, like I'll obviously, you know, he'll sh he'll send me pictures of like this is what I used to look like, and I'm like, dude, it has nothing to do with how you look like. It has everything to do with what you look like now. And and dad bods. Oh my God! And it's the way, like, I love when he lets his hair grow out, and he, cause he looks super sexy, and without the gel, and like, that's my favorite. And he'll look at me, he's like, "You're crazy!" Like, I like my bus cut. I'm like, "Don't buzz it!" Like, who are you here to impress? It's me. Yeah. Like, this is. So it's interesting um, how we are, you know, cause again, I'm going back to the conversation I had last night, and I was like, literally, like, it reminded me of like my high school, like when I was in high school talks, cause I was blushing at hearing my friends, just the things that you know, they found exciting. And I'm sitting there like, hmm, yeah, no, not me. Like, you know, cause I, the one who's single, she's like, oh yeah, strip club anytime. I'm like, no, I don't want any of that. I don't want to see sweat that, like I, that. I actually, <laughs> actually have a different kind of perspective. I don't know if it's going to be a little controversial. Oh, no, go for it. it a little bit. <laughs> All right, let's do this. <laughs> it, was, it was something that you said a little bit about, um, why women are having sex, right? Mm -hmm. Like, are you doing it for your pleasure or are you doing it for him, you know, and, and really getting to the root of all that. And I have a, a sort of a different route that I like to take with the women that I'm working with and also for myself as well, mm -hmm. um, which is just about thinking about your intention for your relationship yeah. in general. Mm -hmm. And one thing that we know is that sex can really be a resource. It can bring a lot of things to a relationship and to each person, whether it's energy, whether it's connection. And if we think a little bit more about men on this side of the equation, that it gives them 
something else than it gives women, right? We can think about confidence or we can think about virility or power or, 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 or just like tapping into their testosterone or their masculine energy. And so something that I, I love <laughs> to help women think about is if you wanna have an amazing relationship, right? How are you thinking about the way that you resource your partner to be at his best so that he can be his best in the relationship and so that you both can have the best experience overall. And from that perspective, in terms of shifting your way of thinking, like sometimes when I'm not into sex or whatever it is, you know, I think about my partner. I think about the day that he had. I think about everything that he's going through. I think about his life, his worries, his struggles. And a lot of times, that and my love for him and my desire for him to be happy and to be strong and to be at his best, that's enough for me to take it to another level and be like, you know what? I'm going to show up for my man like that. Like, I'm going to give him that experience that he's going to love. It makes me feel good to give him that experience. It makes him feel amazing to have that experience. By the time we get into it, I start to get into it too. And then it becomes this really beautiful regenerative cycle of me giving to him, him bringing it back to me, me bringing it back to him. And I think of that as like a co-creative sort of process together. So I wanted to put that out into the conversation. No, and, and I think it's really, I mean, I, and I don't think it's controversial at all. I think it's really um, mm -hmm. just a different I think perspective. Fun. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's a different perspective. And I'm going to jokingly add here that, you know, some, I suffer from really bad migraine headaches. And sometimes what takes it away is an orgasm and I will be like dude that's a fact. That's <laughs> uh, get get on over here because the pills ain't working so you know and my husband's like great at that moment he's like that you know great but I know um just fr from seeking it out I guess for selfish reasons or for a necessity or I I but again obviously I'm in a real this is my husband. I'm not seeking, you know, my neighbor right. to, to take care of the headache. Um, and we've already discussed this. We've had conversations about this. We've had, um, I'd like to think we have a, a, a pretty healthy relationship in general. And in that department, you know, I think we're okay. I'm not saying, you know, we're not rabbits here every, again, you know, it's like, but it's important to communicate, which I think is, um, the basis of everything that we've said in, you know, in the first episode and in this episode is communication and asking and having conversations around what we want, what we like, what we dislike, um, and coming to a common ground, um, in a sense to, and, you know, it may feel awkward to have these conversations because it's like, well, God, what gets you off, honey? You know, like, it's like, it's not how you lead the conversation, but it, they're important to have. How does one begin? to have these conversations with your significant other uh, or, you know, if something's, you know, bothering you, like, how does one begin to do that? I mean, don't do it in bed while you're in the middle of it. That's my, that's my, uh, do my not mistake. do it while it's happening. Got it. Okay. Yeah. My mistake out there. <laughs> what are you doing? No, yeah. not, not. <laughs> um, I think, oh my God. I think what works um, the best, what I found to be most effective is really setting time, scheduling time to talk about those things. Um, and then making sure that when you are at that time, making sure that you're in a really energetically balanced place and you don't show up with 
resentment, with frustration, with tension, with high energy, like in that kind of, in that kind of way and sort of let go of an expectation. I think the setting up the time piece is so important because I know that for women, when we have something that we want to talk about, we want to talk about it now. Now. It needs to happen like right now. (laughs) And again, thinking about your partner who's on the receiving end, is he ready to have that conversation? Is he focused on something else? Like, is he energetically ready to receive, to listen? Like, are you setting him up for success to give you the kind of experience that you're looking for to have with him. Because don't you find though, um, from your experiences though, that, and this is just my conclusion, because I know I touched upon it at some point in my marriage where he felt that it was something that had to do with him. Like, you know, they'll take it to a level of taking it personally. Like there is something wrong with me if I'm not functioning, you know, to, yeah. That's about energy. Yeah. There's so many different ways to communicate something and the resonance that you have that's springing forth from you can change the way that somebody receives the same words, right? Yeah. Like if you come with that attitude and with something's wrong and you need to fix it, it's a very different energetic experience than coming with openness and also just like sharing your heart and your pain rather than I need you to do this. It's just like, hey, this is my experience right now and I I really want it to be different and I trust you and I love you enough to bring this truth to you. Like, how can we, what can we do together here? You know, like, you know, and I, and, and, and that kind of willingness and that kind of openness and that kind of heart pain, when our, when our partners feel that, they don't want us to feel shitty. They don't want of us course, to feel yeah. the reaction of like, I did something wrong. Is that like, no, no, no. Like, I don't want you to feel like that. Like no. shut that shit down. Yeah. 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 So yeah. how do you, how do you come correct? How do you come to that situation? Again, I think so much strategically about setting up for success. So what do you need to do? What are the pieces that you need to have in place in order to allow him to be receptive? Yeah. So does he have the time? Does he have the attention? Is he on the defensive? Like, can he feel you? Can he join you? And is it a safe place for him to communicate to? And it's not only about what you need and how you need things to be like, like I, I, I say that anything is possible in a relationship if you can communicate openly with your heart and if you can make your partner feel like a hero for providing you a solution. Like if you can do those two parts, you can have anything you're you golden. Want. And it should be, like you said, it should be a two-way street, not just, hey, I think you should work on this. It should be, what can we do to make each other happier? What can we both work on? What do you like? What don't you like? And make it a conversation. You know what I mean? If you can't have that type of conversation with your partner maybe you shouldn't be having sex with that person in the first period. place period <laughs> yeah. I, Mary Jo yes I I think so I really love what both of you said I think what's most important is um that the person you're having sex with is someone you trust with the truth if if you don't trust them you you shouldn't be sleeping with them and I think the second thing is um in order to really help guide a partner to love you, you need to know what you do like. And just saying, I don't like that, you know, don't do that anymore. They do take it personally. In fact, you know, a man, um, the men I see told me they would much rather a woman abuse them, humiliate them in public than tell them that that they never pleased her in the bedroom. And it's, a, it's a big one. It's a big one. It's like, yeah. <laughs> and I have seen couples get into a rage if one of them 
if one of them attacks the guy, especially the woman, if she attacks the guy in the bedroom, the the woman seems to be a little bit more able to accept that. I think women have so many, we're so hard on ourselves. Like I'm no good. I'm no good. I, yeah. I don't know how to do this. And we, we put so much of the responsibility onto men. They are the great performers in the bedroom and it's up to them to please us. If you think of that responsibility, that is typical. I'm not saying this is what probably, you know, you would hope to have in your own marriage, but for people listening, this is what, what the norm is. And so the more you take back responsibility for your sexuality, for you really enjoying it, because part of the reason when a guy or, or a woman tells her partner, I want to have sex, if they really haven't been enjoying it or they've been faking orgasms, they're going to be more resistant to wanting to have sex. And so it benefits both of you if you can totally be honest and offer an alternative. Um, and I'm not just saying that because I'm a sex therapist. If you don't like something that your partner's doing, you probably know something you would like more of. And if you, if you tell them that or suggest that, I think it's going to work a lot better. Personal responsibility. Yeah. So, but let's touch on that because I know we briefly spoke about it before. And I think that it would be a disservice to not leave listeners with, um, the tools or the resources to begin the self-exploration process, you know, and that can happen at any age, you know, for some of us, it started earlier. Um, but for some, some women still at the age of 40 haven't properly orgasmed and, you know, how can we, um, support them in the, the, in the beginning stages of that, you know, knowing yourself in, in that way. You have to start with touching yourself. And I, the way women look, they're so critical of it, especially if they've gone through something that has scarred their body um, emotionally or physically. If you've been date raped or you've had a traumatic, uh, an abusive lover and you finally divorce or move on, when you start loving again, it takes a special partner to love you. I mean, you're going to be skittish and you're not going to trust love. And so I think those scars are internalized. And so when you, when you begin, I suggest women look in the mirror and identify, like make a circle, draw a model, make a circle of the areas you do love. And as much as possible, expose those. I work with a lot of women who are morbidly obese. So many of them love things on their face, like their skin, their, you know, they never look below the neck. And in fact, they've never let their partner see below their neck for the last, I have had one that for 12 years of their marriage, she put towels all around the marriage. It was a glass shower and he had never seen her body in the light. And so I think you know, so she loved her face. So for her to get in touch with her sexuality, the first step was, you know, wearing some kind of a dress where this part was hidden and she could focus on her face and then starting to love that, like starting to, you know, give herself skin massages. But eventually, if it's a woman who maybe had a scar of a breast or a colostomy bag, I start them out with camisoles. When you go to bed, I just want you to wear a camisole because that'll cover up the area. 
you can still make love in the light. And you know, your, their partners usually want to love them. They want to make love with them. But because women's sexuality is what we're telling ourselves in our brain, that's what makes us orgasm. And so you need to create a good story. You need to create something that is erotic to you in the very beginning. And sometimes that carries throughout a woman's you know, lifetime. When yeah. if you've been abused, the story you have may be something very romantic. Like you play that story. And if you have a partner who understands that and understands how to love you gently and take you with that, then you don't have to wear all the clothes because you can start realizing this scar is in my mind. It's my thought process. I think what I tell most of my patients, whether they're cancer patients or whatever, a nice place to begin touching and exploring your erogenous zones, and women have about 117, is in the bathtub. Because hmm. water is a natural. <laughs> Can we get a list of that, Mary Jo? Can we get a list? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I'd like to start exploring some of those 117 spots. <laughs> well, you know, not, most people just go right to the genitals. Yeah, and yeah. They're not there, the majority are in other parts. But you know, when women, when you start in the bathtub, it's warm, it's gentle, water has a feminine quality, it gives with us. And plus your hands move, you can, you can take a nice oil massage and just, you know, start at the top of your head and work your way down and identify the parts of your body that you feel something. Because many of us hate our bodies so much, we're not even in them and we can't feel what we're not in. Yeah. I so that. I think well. that what you're bringing up is, um, is so true in, in kind of another way where you know, we're so go, go, go all day long, right? And we're up here and yeah. our, we're not physical, we're not present, right? And I, I'm, I'm actually a trained somatic therapist, right? And so women need that physicality. We need our bodies to be involved, but if we're up here only, right? Like how many times have you been in bed and you've just been in your mind, you, have, you can't feel, you're not connected to anything. So, so crucial, the waking up of the body, the touching of the body, like letting your partner know that a massage isn't just a massage. It's a way to get you present and get all of you there so that you're ready to do whatever it is that you want to do together or so that you can be open to whatever happens next. This is such a good point that you're bringing up. No matter what your past experiences are, we can be so disconnected from who we are, how we feel, from this amazing vessel that yeah. has so much possibility and so much pleasure. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I'm so glad that you brought that up. And Mary. speaking just from experience, um, if anyone's listening, who's ever been to through something traumatic, um, sexual, I mean, I was five years old and when, what, you know, what happened to me happened to me and eventually it manifested in very unhealthy, uh, behaviors as a teenager. Um, to my point is with help, support, reaching out to someone who can help you process the information and understand the emotions, you can get yourself back to a healthy way of um, being sexual and actually being able to enjoy it. And um, under, you know, and obviously, you know, if you're in a committed relationship and whatnot, 
it's an, such an important piece of it that um, it will obviously help you sustain um, that relationship for future to come. I, I just, you know, it's important for, for women to know uh, and men that there is um, help and support and that you can um, have a, self, a, a, a healthy sexual uh, encounter. It doesn't have to be uh, traumatic every single time. It was for a while, but you know, it can get better and it does. And you know, um, like I said, I'm down to once a week. Um, but after Mary Jo sends me that list, it may be more. So <laughs> well, it's only during COVID, you know, <laughs> especially now because I have so much time on my hands, you know, I mean, what, what is, what else is there to do? Um, so how can, let's, let's end this with, um, because you know, we've already hit the hour mark. I mean, I, again, we, we got to talk about this being like a, a, a an, ongoing, an <laughs> ongoing conversation because I think it's just so fascinating when you really understand that sex has more to do with genitalia than anything. You know, it's just so important that women, women and men really understand that. Um, you know, a huge takeaway uh, for women, I think, can be from this conversation today is, you know, understanding that men's drive is the willingness of having a will, you know, the, of having a willing partner. That's like, check, 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 check. Like, there's not much effort <laughs> there on your part, only that you need to be willing. So how can we, um, what tools can you give us, you know, as during this time that we, because um, I think there's, a, uh, there's two parallels here. One, the spouse that like I am free, I'm free during the day and I'm not, he's not in my face all the time. Um, so I do get to miss him and I do get to, you know, um, have different experiences of him through this time. Like he's not in my face and through those couples that are together in quarantine 24 seven all the time, what can you, you know, tell us about how to get it on or get it more on or do, do something <laughs> with all of this that's currently affecting all of us. What I would suggest mm -hmm. is, um, the first thing I would say is, is set a date set because what a lot of people are saying is we're quarantined together 24 seven and we're driving each other's nuts. Mm -hmm. We're driving each other nuts. And I think what they're, what they're not understanding clearly is quantity is not quality for a relationship. Yeah. A relationship needs connection. And so set a date, like, you know, what we're doing is three nights a week, we have a true date. We both get dressed up. Well, we don't get dressed up, but we get out of our jammies and we put on something nice. We, um, he takes, he designs one date, I design one and the, the third one is something we both think would be fun. And usually I, I make my dates, I'm really into beauty, how things look, how things smell. I like lots of flowers. I like lots of um, light, soft light yeah, and yeah. candles. And I have, I've ordered all kinds of these cards on Amazon during this time. The one I like best for couples, it's called We Connect. And they're eight bucks a box. And I'm getting to know my husband in a way I have never known. Awesome. I mean, there are questions we ask each other. So we've been drinking a glass of wine after our dates and we each pick out one question for the other person and then we talk about it. Yeah. And if it's a dud question, like something we both know, because I've been with 
I've been married to my husband. I got married on twin and when I was 20. And wow. it's insane. I would never recommend that. I have two daughters. I'm like, don't do that. <laughs> so in relationships, as a therapist, what I found out is every seven years, people change. Women especially change. Men, men, it's just different for men, but women really change who they are. And not only that, with each life passage, childbirth, perimenopause, menopause, the way women have sex and orgasm changes. So it's very important that you stay up to date with you because you can't share it with your partner if you don't if understand. You don't yeah. So I, that's where I would start them exploring. Amazing, Michelle. Yeah, I definitely agree with everything that Mary Jo is saying. I'd say, you know, whether you're quarantined in one room or you have the luxury, <laughs> amazing that we think of it as a luxury that your partner can leave the house. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. <laughs> I think especially now it's so important to remember that, again, even if things feel normal in the moment, nothing is normal. Um, everything is chaos. The, the energy, the frequency of the world is at this all-time high. There's life and death all around us, whether we turn on the news or whether, God forbid, it's something that's happening and affecting us in like our personal lives. Um, and, and from that place, prioritizing the things that nourish you and that ground you down, which by the way, sex is an amazing way of grounding you and nourishing you too, are so important. You know, I, I, like I said, I, I have a, a 17 month old baby. Um, and by the time we get her in bed at night and right, we don't have our babysitter anymore. We don't have music class anymore. It's just like, by the time we get her down, it's like almost nine o'clock and it's just any intention that we might've had to have a date or something. It's just like, oh man, <laughs> like, can we just Work. get into bed? <laughs> so, so really for couples that are, that are facing that it's, it's how can they create that special time of connection that maybe it doesn't take all that extra stuff. Maybe you don't have the opportunity to have a date night for whatever reason. So the way that I would suggest to approach it is think, how can you just make it a different experience? How can you put away and put to bed, so to speak, like just the getting through the day, survival mode, like task to-do list kind of stuff, and then open a new space either with yourself or with your partner that's all about nourishing, that's all about resting, or that's really giving you what you need. You know, if it's with your partner, I would say, you know, an intimacy ritual. I know that I've mentioned it a couple of times. It's just something that I teach a lot of my clients that is just so revolutionary for their relationships. It's that time when couples can, even for five minutes, just connect in a way that changes the energy between them reminds them that they're husband and wife, that they're sexual partners, that they're romantic partners, and that they can come back to that energy every single day has been a, a life changer instead of like, okay, I guess we're getting in bed and just going to put on Netflix again, you know? But if you're not quarantined with your partner, if you don't have a partner, then how do you create an intimacy ritual with yourself? How do you reconnect with yourself how do you really listen to what you need? How do you give yourself an experience that makes you feel cared for, that makes you feel heard, seen, loved, and appreciated? Because especially in times like these, we, we all need that more than ever. And that is just so important for us to give ourselves and our partners. That's so, so incredibly amazing. And um, 
hopefully useful for everyone that is listening. Um, how can people both, because I mean, like I said, we, I mean, this conversation is like beyond, we could go on for, <laughs> for days. Um, how can people uh, reach out and find each of you um, to, uh, you know, get to learn more about themselves, use your, your services? Um, we can start with you, Mary Jo, if you can let us know how people can contact you. Um, I have a great website that has a lot of freebies. It's Mary, my name, Mary, M-A-R-Y-J-O-R-A-P, like Peter, I-N-I.com. And I have a YouTube channel that's very popular. And it, I have homework that goes with the videos, some of them. Um, and that's called Reaction Reset. I'm on all the social media sites because I do media um, along with psychology. So they're pretty connected. Thanks um, so much. Uh -huh. Anything you ask me right now, I'm doing 10 minute consultations. I'm volunteering them for free. They come in through my website and I set them up. And I did like five before I met you guys today. Amazing. So it's amazing. Yeah. I'm yeah. learning so much just listening to where people are at. And I can't, you know, I can guide them a little bit. And it yeah. just, if it helps somebody through a day, that's what we're about. Amazing. Thanks so much, Mary Jo. Michelle? Yes. So I am the founder of the hashtag Quarantined Wives Club on Facebook. It oh, is a oh, slice of real, real <laughs> wives <laughs> and um, aspiring wives and also single women that would love to be wives one day or partners in committed relationships. So everyone is welcome to join. Um, I do weekly teachings there on topics like why being your husband's best friend will kill your relationship. And if you're actually an energetic drain to your husband, I talk about some really controversial and exciting um, topics uh, and really teach a lot. Uh, I, I love to give as much value as I can for free. Uh, and then for women that want to go deeper, we actually launched yesterday my uh, resource, Become His Light in Dark Times. 10-day energetic boot camp to help you create an unbreakable bond with your man without abandoning yourself. So I'll be relaunching that in the coming weeks um, on my website, which is my name, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-K-E-I-N-A-N.com. Um, I offer a lot of free resources as well. And I have a free PDF, which is called Feeling is Healing. And that's 10 ways right now that you can take care of your energy and your emotions so that you don't dump all over your partner. Um, you can follow me on Instagram too. And um, I'm helping women one-on-one -on -one or in my group programs, but join the Quarantine Wives Club, just Google it or just Google it, just search for it on Facebook. That's free, that's easy, and you'll get everything that you need to get started. Resources. Well, amazing. Masturbate, create a date night, 117 arousal spots. I've learned so much today. So uh, much. We definitely need to do this again. Thank you, ladies, so much for your time. So appreciative. And I hope that it, this is of service to everyone and that we start having some real good sex from now on. That's fine. That's fine.